Craft Beer Radio, episode 320 on February 7th, 2015. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. Podcast the hard way since 2005. <laughs> Welcome. We have with us a, uh, a sampling of beers from uh, all around. I don't really have much... Um, there's nothing to really... There's no, no, it's kind of just a mix. It's yeah. not really a theme today. Two of the beers have grape juice in them, or grape musk. Um, and then it's a bit of a variety. So where do we go? Where do we start? Let's start with this hoppy beer here. All right. So this is... I had not heard of 450 North Brewing. This is one of the beers that Dave brought when he was here at Christmas time. Okay. And I had not had any of their beers, but I've drank a, drank a couple of these, and uh, pretty good brewery. So this is their Scarecrow IPA, 6.9% alcohol by volume, 65 IBUs. It is American-style Indian pale ale brewed using Enanthanum, Cascade, Simcoe, Centennial, and Magnum hops. I poured it a little roughly into my glass. It's mostly foam. Mm. Whenever I'm pouring from cans, right, I always try to... I want to pour it more roughly, so like the beer's kind of going over this lip, you know, instead of sitting in there. But then I end up doing something like this. Well, we can at least get some aroma off of it. Well, some aroma. <laughs> There's not. Well, a lot we're of waiting space. for the beer to foam. We can talk about the intro music. Yeah, so the intro music comes from the uh, now very famous Anheuser. Well, actually, Budweiser. I shouldn't say Anheuser Busch. It's, yeah, it's, it's the a- Budweiser ad, the 2015 Super Bowl Budweiser ad that has caused so much consternation in the craft beer circles. Jeff, what do you think of this ad? So I've had a week now to digest the ad, and I will admit. When I was watching it live, it caught my attention right off the bat. I'm like, oh, it's the St. Louis plant. We've been there. Let's see how much I recognize. And then it starts off proudly macro beer. And then, you know, they basically slap craft beer in the, you know, across the face. And yeah, it was like, like, holy shit. Sorry about that. (laughs) But yeah, it was like, you know, it caught me at first. But you know, I've had a week to think about it. And I think that it's an interesting ad. I think that. It's a good ad, even for craft beer people. I, I think it's. I think it's a. I think it's a very good ad. I was kind of impressed by the ad, actually. Knowing what they're doing helps because if you look at it as an attack on craft beer, you're you're going to look at it in kind of a slightly slanted view. But I don't. think You shouldn't that's, look at it as an attack, yeah. right? It's more. It's more of a reaffirmation of. You're okay to drink this beer. Yeah. You don't have to be a beer snob. They're not selling to craft beer drinkers. They're selling to other people. But I will go through the copy on this ad line by line, and we'll see that really there's nothing uh, there's nothing terribly untruthful in the ad. In fact, it's almost all true. One line or two is uh, can be iffy. Budweiser proudly a macro beer. They are pretty proud of what they do, and I think that they are deservedly so. It's not brewed to be fussed over. It really isn't. I mean, they do fuss over it, and if you listen to the extra, there's an extra thing where we actually do fuss over it. We explain how much they fuss over it when they brew it. But it isn't brewed to be fussed over. It's brewed for a crisp, smooth finish. Absolutely, that's what it's brewed for. This is the only beer Beechwood aged since 1876. That's true. Beechwood aging does nothing besides giving the yeast some place to flocculate out. They don't explain that. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just like cold filtered. It adds no character to the beer whatsoever. It, it's the same as cold filtered right. or ice brewed or whatever. Right. There's, uh, or it's toasted on, you know, tobacco. Right? Uh, there's only one Budweiser. Yeah, there is another Budweiser. <laughs> Not with the trademark in the United right, States. Right, right. Uh, it's brewed for drinking, not dissected for the most case. That's absolutely true. The people who drink our beer are people who like to drink beer brewed the hard way. Now, they didn't say people who like to taste beer. They said people who like to drink beer. And brewed the hard way, absolutely. Budweiser and other American uh, adjunct lagers are brewed the hard way. It, it is very hard to make what they do. It is very hard to make what they do on the scale that they do on the turnover time that they do. Yes. I'll give you that. Especially it's hard to, to, to meet that production schedule for sure. They go one month to from grain to bottle. Now, one of the reasons I think this is a good beer for all beer and even craft is this is one of the few Budweiser commercials in forever where they're actually talking about beer. Mm-hmm. They're showing brewing equipment. We think that that's the yeast plant that we toured. Uh, it's too small to be their brew house. Uh, so I think it's the yeast plant that they pictured with all that stainless steel. It's showing people brewing equipment. They're showing them use the rakes to put the beechwood aging, the beechwood into the lagering tanks. They're showing some stainless steel. You know, they're actually showing the beer being or now. Beer I, I think equipment. some of that is also to give sort of the. The the analogy that I've that I've made before is is trucks versus you know versus luxury cars. They they're they're selling it to it, to the idea of the guy who's looking for the big Ford F one fifty big industrial machinery thing. It has sort of an industrial. But vibe what I'm saying it. is they're they're not frogs, right? Saying Budweiser. That's true. You know, they're showing beer. They're showing beer making equipment in the beer making process. And not only that, they're also and showing think, ingredients. They showed hops yeah. and they showed barley. They did not show rice, interestingly rice, enough. Right. Yeah, so I mean, they're showing how to make beer. And that is a good step for everyone who is passionate about beer. And the big line that gets everybody, besides the brew the hard way, is let them sip their pumpkin peach ale. You know what I was outraged about? They had the pumpkin peach ale in the Spiegelau IPA glass. I was outraged. <laughs> outraged. Everyone brings up that uh, they bought Elysian and Elysian and... Elysian made a pumpkin peach pecan. Yes. They, um, yeah, but probably when they were making this ad, they didn't know that. Or the, ad the ad company absolutely didn't yeah. know. And one other point I'd like to make for everyone who was outraged for most of the week is there is never a consistency of message. It's just another butt out of the week. Right. And hypocrisy is par for the course. And and if you think this is the first time, you can go back and look at other things. So it might tame your outrage a little yeah. bit. My, I, I made a, a tweet, I made a recommendation to all the breweries that are now going to be producing, producing a pumpkin peach ale in response to this. Don't make it a samey spice bomb. That's the last thing I want. If you're going to make a pumpkin peach ale, make a good pumpkin peach ale. Don't make some pump, you know, typical pumpkin ales that we just find to be the same thing. Yeah, over a and second over again. pumpkin beer season yeah. of the year that's going to foil. Yeah. If uh, anything, more if this ones. ad causes that, then it will be a horrible ad. <laughs> <laughs> just wait three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> you'll see. And then the rest of the ads will be brewing us some golden suds. This is the famous bud golden golden is it's more straw colored. Uh, this is this is the famous Budweiser beer. It's pretty famous. 
this budge for you they're bringing back that there's nothing in the copy that that is terrible there's nothing in there that's you know that's overly insulting i, I thought that the image of the hipster guy was a perfect like <laughs> image of a hipster dude um yeah I, I thought it was a great ad i really did i didn't find any any problem with it all right so the head dropped on the spear so now we can fuss over it yes let's let's do our fussing and this is the because we we are here to dissect scarecrow ipa from 450 north brewing And they are in Columbus, Indiana. There's a lovely hop bouquet. It does. It has. It almost smells a bit like a, a fresh hop or something. There's something a little a more little bit resiny, gritty there in the aroma. As uh, I could definitely t- smell a little little Simcoe, which is giving a little dord. There's um. I mean, there's a lot of hops in there. An- mm-hmm. An Anthem, Cascade, Simcoe, Centennial, Magnum. Magnum also can give some of that doored. Uh... On the flavor, you um, get a whole bunch of hops up front. It's a mostly piney. There's a little bit of fruitiness in there. And it goes into a moderate bitterness. You get a nice small backbone back up. It's a, it's a, I really like this IPA. It uh, kind of hits and gives you some malt. And has, it's a... This is, you know, this is my second can of it. So when I had the first can, I was like, wow, I like that. I can see why I like because there's a little bit of a durian in here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, a little bit. Um, the can is, by the way... You know, there's a little... So, um, Citra. No, not Citra. Um, maybe it's... I'm trying to remember. I know Jamie Barlow was talking about how when you use a lot of a certain hop, it gets oniony. Mm-hmm. And you might be taking that... In the fruit into a durian realm, right? I think I probably am. I think it's interesting that on the label here, they have a map to their brewery, and they have a Google map a little, icon thing, little, Google little, pin. little uh, teardrop Google I pin. If those are trademarked. I don't know, but I also noticed that the can also is is a quick can because it's got a yeah, yeah, it has a little shrink wrap label on yeah. it. They may use mobile canning, or I mean, the quick cans are nice because you can you don't have to get a bunch of labels printed, right? Mm-hmm. You just got to get the shrink wraps made and you can do a small run of things. Yeah, I definitely think there's an oniony character here, and that's probably what's giving me that uh, slight durianish. But there's also a little bit of a tropical flavor. So that onion and that kind mm-hmm. of pineapple, kind of mango it also uh, has, I'm sorry, it also has a lower carbonation. It kind of has a feel of a cask beer, too, I think. I'm not sure if I'm with you on that 100%. Okay. Sorry. It's eight. No, no, I'm sorry for interrupting you oh. previously. 6.9 ABV. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't feel like a, a bigger beer. I had a beer earlier today. You know how Finch's make that secret stash chocolate stout? Yes. They made a stash in the wood, so it's a barrel-aged version of that. And um, on the menu, it said 5.3%. On Beer Advocate, it said 5.3%. On Untapped, it said 5.3%. There's no freaking way this beer is 5.3%. <laughs> I would peg it at more like 12.3%. I had a pint of this thing, and I was I was pretty rocked by it. That reminds me, I just recently had a beer. I forget who it was from, but it, it was, I think it was Terrapin. It was uh, their fresh hop beer, uh, and 
the label says 8.8%, but they have a sticker on there that says incorrect alcohol by volume. It's actually 6.8%. Oh, okay. That's the first time I've ever seen. The down correction? Yeah. I mean, just a sticker on there. Mm-hmm. A little circular sticker. Right. I've never seen That's that before. This is, uh, according to the website, this is dry hop for a week. So that may contribute to okay. some of that kind of fresh hopping flavor. Yeah, yeah. It definitely gives all that that bright hopping that you're getting. Uh, actually, you get a nice lot of hop left in the late taste as well. Not a clean, crisp finish. No. But it's not brewed for one. No. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't... It's not overly bitter. The flavors are... I mean, if you like the sort of tropical mm-hmm. with a bit of... Um, you know, that it can get kind of overwhelming if you're not into that. If you're more into the, the plain old citrus. It says citrus on the label, but it's not really citrus. I wouldn't... Yeah, no. You know, I'm not calling this... There's a couple notes of... Um, there's definitely not oranges or grapefruit. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of pineapple or something, but it, it's mostly... More piney, more resiny, and uh, more oniony, like you said. Yeah. yeah. Didn't really talk about much with the malt. Uh, a little bit bagel-like, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the sweetness without a huge amount of toastiness there. Yeah, that's 450 North Brewing Company. 450 North. And they're on US 450. Makes it easy to uh, find. Now, I, I'm interested in the name Scarecrow IPM. Kind of, we talked about uh, copyright things. Mm-hmm. Has Scarecrow never been used as a as a beer name before? That, I, I'd, I'd be shocked. I, I don't know. I, actually, I saw a, um, we, we need to get Matt Allen on and talk about trademarks to copyrights and things mm-hmm. for, for beer names you know he's we, i think i talked about this yeah we did this on the air about he has voodoo brewing company so he's uh has all kinds of issues with voodoo and whatnot here we'll turn on the backup recorder oh that's a good idea case things go horribly wrong first time we forgot about that in a while all right so the next one this is another beer day of brought. This one is the uh, Boulevard in Twinedale. So, Entwined is technically, they call the style a malt beverage brewed with grape juice. So it's kind of a Rattler? Um, it probably has... Depends on how much grape well, juice. It probably has grape juice added pre-ferment, right? So it's not all malt. So it's not beer. Um, we have another one. Our next beer that we're going to be doing also has great musk added. Okay. Now, we had a uh, a review that, that said we don't prepare <laughs> as much as we probably should. And that's probably true. But let me read uh, what it, what they say at the Boulevard uh, description here. Entwined was the first uh, production batch of the test beer, formerly referred to as Nelson. While the recipe was adjusted slightly from the original test, the use of muscat juice remains the focus. Juice was combined with pale malt in the brew house. For, um, it was hopped exclusively with uh, Nelson's Oven hops from New Zealand. And is 4.1% by volume, so pretty sessionable. 
6.9 IBUs. Not very high on the bitterness. This is part of their Backroads series. They have a, that's what they call the name of, um, they call it Excursions Off the Beaten Path, right? So experiments, oddballs, things, you know, mm-hmm. things like this. They call it the scenic route. <laughs> It pours uh, pretty cloudy. It looks almost like a wit beer, but it's a little bit clearer than you. Uh, okay. I do a little bit of mixing just to get sure. that uh, the same. the The color is actually very uh, very reminiscent of a Budweiser. It's uh, straw, uh, just is not as clear. It's not the same kind of clarity. All right here you go. Thank you. Has about a finger's worth of a light uh, head. The aroma of the the grape juice, the wininess, is, is apparent in the aroma. It kind of... Uh, and they're using Nelson Savon hops, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also kind of a whitey, yeah. whiny-smelling hop as well. It's something that smells a little bit... Reminds me a, a bit of like green grape skins in the aroma, almost like the the yeastiness on the skins as well. Like that's kind of where it's taking me when I smell it. Yeah, a little, a little dirty, a little sort of musty. Not really getting much else. I mean, it smells kind of like a wheat beer as well, right? You get a little bit of grassiness on the aroma, a little bit of... Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. A little... A little weedy, which you know goes in the area of lemongrass mm-hmm. without hitting yeah. quite that uh, strong. Mm-hmm. There's a tartness to it from the grape juice. It's the first thing you notice kind of carries through most of the flavors this tartness yeah tart not sour mm-hmm. right it's right. it's um it's like a white grape juice right right that kind of tartness is carrying through very drinkable goes down very easily very easy to gulp mm-hmm. it's got a light grape uh, character doesn't really I mean, with at only six point nine IBUs, clearly they're not using a whole lot of hopping in here. Yeah, the Nelson Savon really isn't that apparent. The malt really is pretty light on it as well. Mm-hmm. Most of the flavors coming from the grape juice. There's a touch of what still seems like a wheat type base. There's probably, I mean, it's definitely barley in there too, but I'm not noticing it. I'm noticing the wheat part of it, and uh, kind of just tapers off the back end and. Leaves a very dry coating on your mouth, yeah. right? like almost like a chalky coating. It's kind of reminding me of a of really like a, a low. If there were low alcohol wine coolers, it's it's sort of along that line. It's it's not. Uh, it's not really there for a lot of dissection. It's there to be kind of an easy, easy drinker that will not really offend the palate. When you say you know when you're talking about low alcohol, right? It, it made me think of. It was made me think of what the characteristic of a session IPA has, and mm-hmm. forget about the hoppy part of it, but kind of that thin, slightly astringent, very dry malt body, right? If you dissect that part of a session IPA, that's kind of 
getting a lot of that same character here as well. Yeah, I mean that that is essentially for the most part when you do a, a session beer, you have mm-hmm. to be low on the malt because the malt is what the yeast turns into alcohol. And if you have a lot of it, you're going to get more and more alcohol. Roughly speaking. Right. This beer was best by the end of the month. Yeah, we just made it. Well, actually, it must be the end of the next month because there's no such thing as 2.30. So, it must be 3.30. Looks like a 2. It does look like a 2. Numbers kind of rubbed out, but... How could that be a three? Maybe it's two thirty. Maybe it's a double leap year. We just don't know. <laughs> I know it's it's possible. That's a one. It's possible. It's so rubbed out. It's hard to tell. Right, that was the entwined ale from Boulevard. So we're moving on to the something a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. I think we should stick with grape musk type beers so but before we get into that guess what there's a great way you can support us you go to craftbeerary.com slash amazon whenever you're shopping that way you are not paying anything extra and you are contributing slightly to us and that's great that's all just, yeah, when you're doing your online shopping, don't go to Amazon.com. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Nice and quick. Mm-hmm. All right. So this next beer, Avery sent us. This is the Einziggartig. Einziggartig. This is right after their Spontania, which we loved in their Barrel Age series. This is number 25. Yeah, so they describe it as an ale brewed with Riesling grape must and aged in neutral Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. Can I see that bottle for one second? Because it's very interesting that on the website they have a different version. Um, This is bottled in December 4th, 2014 versus the one they have the website, which says October 15th. This is 11.7% alcohol. The one that they have... From October 15th, is only 10.13. So, Golly. things have changed. Agricultural product, it changes. <laughs> the production on the one... They actually have a production of how many uh, cases? 188 in, in the Einzig on the website. That one is... Uh, 159. Interesting. Oh, you know what's really interesting here, too? There might be some more numbers here. Yes, indeed. Brewery release only. 100 cases shared, 59 hoarded. Okay. (laughs) So this bottle's probably out of one of the 59. Probably, yeah. Because they sent it to us as a media sample. Okay. The color is a kind of copperish. I get. I got some stuff at the bottom. Look at look at the bottom of my glass here. There's yeah. some. Yeah, there's a little bit of chunky yeast flock in there. It's not just. I mean, it's this is like strings of yeast. It's really weird. 
Strings? Yeah, Let take a look. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a PDO rope. Normally that stuff floats on top. But... <laughs> Uh, there's one at the bottom of, of the uh, bottle, too. So it's just okay. some re- basic yeah. residue. Yep. We're not afraid of no yeast here. So the aroma on this one... It smells it's, very tart. Yeah, it smells... Right. It smells... Um, there's some of that grapiness, but there's also... Uh, a much richer. Whatever. I'm gonna say it, it, it's acidic with a bit of pedio. There's a yeah. There's there's a little bit of Flanders aroma coming off of it, but there's also this multi component. I'm trying to figure out how to describe that. It's almost like a it smells like um. In spirit, it's aged with Riesling grape must and aged in natural Cabaret Sauvignon, neutral Cabaret Sauvignon barrels. So, on the aroma, I here's a crazy one: the aroma, the multi part of the aroma, Golden Grams. It's really not in my memory banks. Okay, but I can I mean, imagine it's it's sugar coated graham crackers, basically. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Vaguely honey flavored, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it kind of gets a little tart and tangy towards the end. A little touch of, not quite Flanders, but leading towards that. Whoa, it's different than I thought it would be. That's interesting. It's uh, get the tang from the juice. You get like I got like three different kinds of tanginess, like they kind of evolve through the flavor there. Yeah, but the the undercurrent of I don't necessarily even want to say malt because it's not coming across like that. There's a there's a deep, uh, or at least deeper than I expected, like like plum resin almost that comes through. Okay, I was tasting something that's kind of like. Coffee and sweet torts. Mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's it's hard for me to categorize because it, it it falls in a weird area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's sweet and has some characteristics of darker fruits, but it also has but that sweetness also feels a little bit caramelized. Right. So it goes into sort of a toffee area. It starts out grapey at the very beginning of the flavor, but then it quickly runs away from yes. the grapiness, right? Yeah. And you get more into Barrel a little bit of funk here and there. Um, hmm, that is different. Yeah, there's. It's not really. It's not Brett. It's. Mm-mm. There's a little bit of lactic in there. Maybe a bit of PDO. I think almost certainly PDO in there. It's pretty yummy. <laughs> And it's really complex. I mean, we're going to kind of try to not bore you, mm-hmm. but we want to dig in this one because, I mean, a sip kind of like just races past. Like, you're, like, you're trying to read, you know, yeah, you're trying to read the signs on the side of a Formula One car and you're sitting in the front row of the racetrack. You know, it's like, boom, and it's gone. You got to take another sip to try mm-hmm. to get it again. 
I'm leaning more towards towards a slightly sweetened blackberry with uh, some slight syrupy tones. Uh, actually, blackberries are really good call. Like a really ripe mm-hmm. blackberry, kind you, or maybe even like a little bit of blackberry pie, you know. But mm-hmm. you have to add some tartness to that sweet, you know, to the sugary sweetness right. of the pie. But there's something in there that I'm almost qualifying as like roast potato. Mm. I'm not sure I'm going to come <laughs> meet you okay. on that one. All right. I mean, I'll try, but <clears throat> as of right now, I can't see myself getting there. Do what you can, man. See if you can <laughs> see if you can meet me halfway. It is pretty fascinating. You can start to... I'm trying to really taste the grape must part mm-hmm. of it. Uh, that's coming through more and more as I drink it. This is the Einzigartig. Einzigartig. Now, from I, Avery. I think that I... I love the Spontanea. I don't think I love this as much. But I'm definitely finding it very interesting and enjoyable. Yeah, this one is... I, I, I really don't remember exactly... I remember it being good... I don't remember any real characteristics of it. Where this one's good too, but this one is not so much luscious, right? As it is fun to drink because it's a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a more challenging drink. This is a more yeah. overall. You're not. I don't think you're going to enjoy this as much unless you study it, right? If you just pop this off, and we're just expecting some kind of. Um, either, you know, hoppy or, or vaguely um, fruity thing, then this is going to be pretty confusing. You have to really kind of analyze this to get the most enjoyment out of it. Uh, you know, I, I just took a sip thinking of Berliner Weiss, which is all lactic acid, right? And it kind of set my focus a little bit more clearly. And a lot of what I'm tasting is lactic in this, I think getting a lot it tasted a lot more clear when I was looking at it with that lens on do you taste Cabernet Sauvignon in here um in the late late taste right before the aftertaste like like where it goes from grapey into dry aftertaste in a cab that's where I'm tasting okay, something okay I can see that because there is a little bit of um um, a kind of diacetyl note, right? A kind of a buttery note. Hmm. I don't know if, it, if if it's diacetyl itself, but okay. it, it's something that in a, in a good cab you can, can sometimes sense this this change okay. where it goes through that a similar flavor profile. Right. Yeah. So like it's that end of the taste, right? Where it kind of goes from grapes to tannins into dry. Right. You know, this has that same little hump in it right there. I I, I agree with you. That was the, uh, we just said it, the Einzigartig. Thank you, Avery. 
Do you want the two little duties at the bottom? <laughs> no, you got the dump bucket over there beside you. You can <laughs> dump them out over there. Clunk, clunk. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're doing sours, let's do the Berliner Weiss, too. Huh? You mentioned Berliner Weiss. Let's bring out the Berliner Weiss. This is Kudam from Urban Chestnut. Donated by Urban Chestnut. We have a couple sessional ones here. This is a 4.2%. 13 IBUs. Hopped with Hillertau. Tradition. Malted with German Pilsner, German Wheat, and German Sour Malt. I should say the malts that are used are. Yes. Not malted with. I yelled at it again. Okay. <laughs> this is an, another one of their reference series. Okay. It's a. Uh, Mix these up again. Mix them up. Look at that. Yours is much clearer than mine. <laughs> Because it's a half-liter bottle, I can't pour all the beer into one of the snifters, so it's going to be a little bit more tricky to get this distributed. That's good enough. It's not nearly as different as (laughs) it was before. So, So, you know, it's going to be interesting, right? Because we're coming into a tart Berliner Weiss from a very tart beer right you usually don't approach them from this direction so like when you smell this beer you smell all the malts yeah that's all you smell is the malts on this one there's something else though there's something not malty in this there's a little kind of sour mash that i feel like i can detect but i know it's there Mm -hmm. so part of it is me knowing what to look for right But it almost smells a little. I know there isn't. I don't. I. I don't think there is. They don't say anything. But it almost smells a little corn-like in the aroma. Hmm. So the aroma. I'm getting a touch of something a little bit plasticky or whatnot. I just took a sip, jumped ahead to see, but I think I'm not really. It's not carrying through to the flavor. But yeah, I was smelling. I know what you're saying. There's a. Little a little, there's something. Something vaguely. Yeah. Something a little like that. That or a touch of nail polish remover in the aroma, yeah. Has good tartness in the the flavor. It has, uh, compared to the last one, there's more malt to back it up. Yes. It doesn't finish extremely dry. It finishes with a more malty character. Um, There's a considerably more heft of body Mm -hmm. than the entwined at only 0.1% more alkali volume. They say on their website, drink it straight or add a bit of elderflower, blackberry, or plum syrup. Okay. We have none of those, so we're drinking it straight. But I can see how, <coughs> excuse me, a syrup would go well with this. Yeah, I mean, I generally like tasting my Berliner Weisses nice and tart and straight. Um, 
But you know, every once in a while, throw in a little bit of Woodruff syrup or Elderflower is a new one for me. Elderflower would be really good, I think. Because the last time I had Elderflower was at Angry Orchard Elderflower, right? Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, that was fantastic. Well, it was very good. It was, it was a very good cider, yes. I know somebody from uh, from work talked to me about it, and they said that you know they don't normally like ciders, and they drank that one on my recommendation. They loved it. So, oh, they found it. Yeah, that's cool. It was something in Tucson, but oh, I see. It was cool. cool. It was cool to know that it wasn't just us. I just saw this past week it was the like cider makers conference in mm-hmm. Chicago, and. No, I saw, I saw some tweets from there. Someone was tweeting one of the presentations. And if cider, if olive cider was a mm-hmm. beer style, it would be number two to IPAs. So there's more IPAs sold than cider, but nothing else, no single style sells more. Yeah. But it's kind of arguable whether all cider is one style. Right. I mean, the it not even all cider is... Is apple anymore? It used to be that uh, cider meant apple, but now you have pear ciders and yeah. you know, other types of things. So I mean, technically, a lot of those have different names. Like you know, I called mine a pear cider, but I should have been calling it a perry. I would have sounded smarter if I was calling it a perry. Mm. But anyway, um, and and even then, there's sweet ciders and dry ciders and ciders with spices. Yes, so yes, hardly all one category. It's not like the example of Budweiser versus all craft beer, right. where all craft beer is now ahead of Budweiser, right. which is one product, one brand, one flavor. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, cider's booming. And uh, I like cider. Cider's good. Uh, craft alcoholic beverages are booming. Not just craft beer but cider spirits all types of things craft fermented radio or change our name <laughs> we'll get rid of the craft soon too because that's not going to mean anything well so i i we, you know, we talked a little bit about that but i think the craft uh is malleable enough a term that we can still apply it as a crafted experience mm-hmm. yeah we'll use it as a old school term craft back in 2005 <laughs> right. i mean come on we put we put radio in there <laughs> <laughs> what's this radio thing grandpa hmm. this is the kudam from uh urban chest that we're taking k-u apostrophe d-a-m-m I'm glad you're paying attention. I just presumed that thing over there was like an umlaut or something above the U. I didn't look closely enough to see that there wasn't two of them. (laughs) Hmm. It's it's decent. There there is a little something going on there. It's a little bit nail polish remover. I think you're only going to do that if you're... You only say if you're analyzing like we are. I think that... If you're fussing over it? Yeah. I think if you're just drinking it straight, you're not really going to notice mm-hmm. it. Uh, but I do think, yeah, there is a little off. A little something is off, but it's it, it's very hard to detect. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not very pronounced. So let's go on to our final beer. 
of the night. Lightning produces their electrostatic ale. Let's rinse all this tart tangy out of our glasses before we go mm. on. So electrostatic is a bearded guard. It is 10% alcohol by volume. And don't really have much on here about it. It won some awards. I got some marketing collateral right here. Oh, fantastic. Should be in there somewhere. <laughs> okay. Available at 10 to 25 IBUs. 10% alcohol by volume. Available bottles late summer and onward. Imported malted barley and uh, European hops. A selected strain of farmhouse ale yeast. Okay. The beer pours a uh, rich copper color. Yep. It's very clear. Pour with a little head that kind of faded down quickly. Excuse me. There's a bit of malty barnard on here, which is sort of what I would expect from a bearded guard from a farmhouse. It's there's a there's a yeah there's a big malt and it's kind of a. It almost has a, a, a density of, of aroma, almost, you know, since I haven't had a ton of bearded guards, mm-hmm. you know, even over all these years, we still haven't had a ton of bearded guards. There's kind of something that's kind of, if you blend kind of a Bach type richness of aroma with something mm-hmm. a little bit drier, a little bit more straw-like, you know, you're getting something along those lines. We're both very gassy. Yeah, We're trying is, to burp is, off microphones. This is an extraordinarily <laughs> gassy show. I think part of it is we have a couple of sours there, which yeah. add to the gassiness. So we're trying to get that. I mean, it's weird because, you know, we're okay with slurping sounds and stuff on the mic, but <laughs> we, no burping. Well, we, we tried. I try to keep my swallowing sounds off mic, mm-hmm. but some people really dislike that. Yeah. We apologize, but what are you going to do? So this has a really neat aroma. I keep sitting here smelling it, trying yeah. to think of more. There's a touch of uh, almost like a, a, a barley to vanilla type note on this as well. Like there's a something that goes a little bit sweeter there. <laughs> that was interesting. That's different. It's almost a touch of, of uh, cotton candy. And another one that's weird is a little chalkboard. Hmm. Flavor's pretty sweet. I think that Bach thing... Bubblegum. Yeah, bubblegum. I think that Bach thing I mentioned earlier is a great benchmark for a lot of listeners, right? Think of um, the sweetness of a Bach. Yeah. But then instead of it finishing on a sweet upswing... I turn that upside down and have it kind of go on a drying downswing. 
Yeah, there's a lot of bubblegum banana type flavors mm-hmm. in the flavor. Flavors in the flavor. The flavors are in the flavor. Flavor flav. <laughs> yeah, boy. Nine one one is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. This is pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we a couple of the beers that we had from uh, Lightning previously had some off flavors in it. This one tastes nice and clean. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's refreshing to see because I'm like, you know, these guys sent us beers. I want to find something that you know yeah. is is not you know that is good. And uh, yeah, this one tastes exactly like you would think that the brewer intended. So it's it's very good. It has a. <clears throat> Excuse me. Still have a little bit of a coughing in me. Apologize for that. It has, yeah, really very, very full flavor, which I mean 10%, so it's, yeah, that that's easy enough. But the flavor that's there has a lot of interesting sort of characteristics to it, a lot of bubble mm-hmm. gum and, and a good deep maltiness to it. A little bit of spiciness. It, it has intrigue in there, but it also is very drinkable. It's, it's a lot of good stuff together. And the more I drink it, I kind of would kind of pull back a little bit of my box statements and kind of take it towards Belgian double statements. You know, that, that, <clears throat> that banana pear is kind oh, of yeah. making me think more like a oh, double yeah, very a little much. bit. But then it still finishes pretty dry, so I still think, you know, I don't think it's crazy calling it a beer guard. Um, most of the beer guards, I have had some multi ones like this, but a lot of them tend to be a step or two paler right, right. and drier. But yeah, this is this is really good. Not like that, but I think it's a, like a double. This would probably go very well with food. I can see this, you know, going great with like a burger or even, you know, a, a, a rich pasta. Anything rich, this would go really well with. Yeah, I think you're right on that. All right, I think it's time to rank. Okie dokie. That Budweiser over there. <laughs> <laughs> How would you rank these suckers? Uh, give me one second here. Right, I'm going to start my uh, my ranking. I can type my ranking, but you get to go first this time. All right. So from the bottom, I think I'm going to have to put the Kudam in the last place because of that um, little bit of a solventy flavor and aroma that was coming off of it. Uh, it was a good Berliner Weiss. It was drinkable. Didn't want to pour it out. But uh, it was a noticeable flaw over the other beers, so I'm going to have to make them in last place. And then in fourth place, I will put the Entwined Ale. Uh, nothing wrong with the beer. It just, you know, we had a lot of things in, yeah. on the show tonight, and uh, what well, was a fine beer. It was, it was definitely a lighter flavor, you know, less interesting to drink when you're analyzing the beers. Uh, so I'll put that in fourth place. In second or third place, I'm going to put this uh, electrostatic ale from Lightning. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I just like the beers ahead of it better. But uh, you know, the Lightning yeah. was really interesting because it had that that box slash Belgian character. It had a nice dry finish to it. Lots of uh, pears, bubblegum, banana flavors to it. Uh, it was enjoyable. I really liked it. 
the Scarecrow IPA I'm going to put in second place. Uh, I think that's, you know, for a brewery I've never heard of, I think it was a really good IPA. And um, kind of liked how it was nice bright hopping with all those dry hops and had a good malt backbone to it. And then I'm going to put the Avery number one just because it was so fun to explore. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was tart and there was grape juice and there was the lactic and there was, you know, these other things and this toffee thing flowing through it. And it was just more of a of an epic to uh, to explore. And that's why I put that in first place. Interesting, because this doesn't happen as often as you might expect, but our rankings are very, very different. We only have one match. My fifth place is the Boulevard. I found it to be kind of, uh, I don't know, the uh, best word I can say is boring. It just wasn't really that interested in it. It didn't really give me much to to chew on what was there. I mean, I get why it was there, but it wasn't, you know, especially compared to the other stuff, mm-hmm. there was a lot more to analyze. And so this was just not you know, in that nature. Uh, my number four, the Urban Chestnut. Yeah, I mean, there were some flaws with it. I, I liked it still. Um, mm-hmm. The flaws were really only noticeable if you're analyzing very, very closely. Uh, and I did enjoy the beer. My number three is actually going to be the Avery. Uh, I, another situation where, you know, I definitely liked the complexity of it, but it wasn't something where I was overwhelmed by how amazing it was. It was very complex, and mm-hmm. complex is enjoyable, and we love studying stuff. But I just felt the other two were more enjoyable. And the one I agree with you on is the 415 North. I think that was the second place. I, I liked it a lot. I think it had a lot going for it. Not a huge fan of the oniony, and they caught citrusy, and it's not. But it was very good IPA regardless. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, and my number one is going to be Lightning. I really do enjoy this a lot. I think this is really, really good. It's very tasty. It has a nice fullness to it. Uh, it gives me stuff to think about, but also at the same time, it's very drinkable. This is good. Lightning in a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Craft Beer Radio was released under the Creative Commons license. There it is. If you want to visit our website, craftbeerradio.com, you can find out what that means about the whole release under the Creative Commons license, Dealigo. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. At, yeah, at CBR Greg. That's and right. And together at Craft Beer Radio. Uh, email beer at craftbeerradio.com. And uh, we're going to keep on fussing over beer. That's what we do. We're not the people who drink Budweiser. Absolutely not. Even though we did drink Budweiser tonight. We're not the people who, who the commercial says are the people who drink Budweiser. Let's put it that way. Right. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. I can't believe they put that in a Speedglow IPA glass. <laughs>